it is an honor to be here and to be at uh, New River Fellowship. Uh, I met a few of you at Jordan's installation, uh, and others of you I, I met uh, serving pancakes to students uh, back at the start of the school year, uh, and uh, and then some of you I've known like like Bert for literally decades, uh, and and I'd say it's good also to be back preaching at New River. Uh, though it's been about 19 years since last time I preached at New River, back, like as Bert said, back in the high school, uh, in those early years, from about 1998 to probably around 2004, uh, I was preaching at uh, New River Community Church, uh, uh, probably about you know, two or three times each year, filling in for Mike. So I'm motivated to keep you all awake this morning, because it might be another 20 years before they ask me again, so I want to make the most of this today, okay? So y'all, y'all try and listen, and I'll try and uh, keep myself and you, and you awake as well. Uh, but I am grateful uh, for this church, and I'm grateful for uh, yeah, your, your work uh, in this community, uh, and to be your missionary to the college campus there is great, because I know you're a church that cares about missions. And I'm grateful, I'm grateful for Jordan uh, for trusting me with the sermon this morning. And I love his relationship with you. Uh, I know that along the way here, uh, I've seen a beautiful thing of a church that loves its pastor and its pastor's family, uh, and, a, and a pastor and his family who loves their church well. The secrets are a treasure, so uh, keep up the good work of loving them and treasuring them well. Uh, yeah, Jordan's been busy uh, texting this morning. I'll share my text from Jordan. I don't know, uh, but uh, he says, praying for you and your family as you guys. Uh, get to be at worship at New River Fellowship today. I miss getting to join in. I love our flock a whole lot. Enjoy your time with them. So again, this, to have a pastor that loves the flock is a beautiful thing, and I thank you guys for loving a great, uh, a great guy uh, really well and, and loving Jordan and Abigail and their family. So uh, I get to jumpstart a series that you've taken a few weeks off from. You've been in Malachi for a few weeks, but back before that, you'd gotten about three weeks into uh, a, a series on Hebrews a series called Jesus is Greater Than. And so we'll return to that this morning. Uh, week one was back in November, and uh, that week was Jesus is Greater Than Angels. And then the week after that was Jesus is Greater Than Power or Production or Self. And then the third week was Jesus is Greater Than Moses. So for week four today, we turn our attention to Hebrews 3.16, uh, through 4.13, and our theme this morning is, Jesus is greater than the condition of our hearts. Jesus is greater than the condition of our hearts. So again, we'll dive in now with Hebrews 3.16 through 4.13. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed after enter that rest, just as God has said, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, on the seventh day God rested from all his works. 
And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some of us to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. And then the last two verses, Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Will you pray with me? Father, you are good. Your word uh, is always living and active for us. Help us to meet you uh, with the power of your word this morning. Help this text to speak to our hearts. Help it change the way we see this week. Help us to uh, let our hearts be molded and changed and softened by you today. We thank you again for the power of your word that's sharper than any double-edged sword, uh, penetrated, even dividing soul and spirit. God, let our hearts uh, allow any gentle surgery that you want to do on us today. Thank you, God, for meeting us here, not only in your word, but in the sweetness of the fellowship uh, of, of, uh, of believers in you and in the work of your Holy Spirit. We pray all this in your name. Amen. So, again, the last time you were in this series uh, was December 4th uh, with the title, Jesus is Greater Than Moses. And the last part of that section, uh, the, the passage you looked at, the last part of that section was, uh, was chapter 3, verses 8 through 15, often subtitled in a lot of Bibles as Warning Against Unbelief. So uh, these warnings had a common theme. They all had a lot about the heart. Verse 8 reminded us to, said, don't harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Verse 10 said, their hearts are always going astray. Verse 12, see to it that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart. And then again, verse 15 re repeated the truth uh, from verse 8, uh, don't harden your hearts. So again, what you last experienced in Hebrews, this emphasis on the heart, continues in this passage. It's the age-old storyline that humankind continues to live out again and again, that the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. The heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. All the ills in the word, world today, anything we've ever experienced that is broken, that is painful, that is not uh, as God intended, has birthed up out of the problem in our hearts, the sinful inclination of the hearts of men and women. And, and God, throughout history, in his rescue plan through Jesus, has spoken to us about the mission of Jesus to, to redeem us, to reconcile us, to keep us in a place where our hearts begin to respond to him. Uh, yeah, we, we're, yeah, we're, we're told long before Jesus came that that what God was going to be doing was removing our heart of stone 
and returning us to a heart of flesh. That's the great work of God, the great work of Jesus, the great work of the Spirit is breaking through this problem uh, of our heart. Because at the heart of all problems, and the heart of the problem, <laughs> is the problem of our hearts. I'm a Greek word nerd. I like certain things about, about Greek words. Uh, I won't wear you out with them today. Preaching, I got one word for you, though. Uh, and uh, we'll go back to, to, a, uh, to a word that we have in English to link to it. Uh, a word we hear in English, if you, and hopefully you don't hear this word from your doctor, but uh, uh, arteriosclerosis, right? Hardening of the arteries uh, is, is what that means. Uh, but the, the, the cool thing about Greek is, is it influences a lot of our medical terms and whatnot. Uh, if you, it, it, when these verses that we read earlier talked about uh, a hardened heart, right? It, it's told us to don't harden your hearts. The Greek word is uh, sclerocardia, uh, okay? Sclera, that's right at the heart of hardening the arteries uh, is, is the same word, uh, arteriosclerosis, but sclera, cardia, and cardia, the Greek word for heart that we get cardiac and, and other words like that from, uh, it, it's lining up the physical and spiritual realities, right? We do not want arteriosclerosis. We don't want our arteries to get hardened because that, that affects the, the health of our whole body and our hearts. But even more so, we don't want spiritually to have sclerocardia. We don't want spiritual hard hearts. Uh, now, we really need to take care of our bodies. Our, our bodies are the temple of God. There's nothing wrong with being responsible and being a good steward of the body that God's given you. But I want to tell you that sclerocardia is a lot worse than arteriosclerosis. Uh, you, you might shorten your life, uh, your physical life, uh, by not taking care of your uh, health and seeing, uh, see, seeing hardened arteries and heart disease, but far worse to abandon any sense of what your long-haul eternity uh, is like by welcoming a hard heart that doesn't respond in faithfulness to a God that we can know by a thousand names, right? a God that, that, we, that we know is praiseworthy at every point. So sclerocardia, again, goes back to that problem of the heart. So uh, with, with that in mind, uh, and, and as, we, as we see this desire uh, that God has to soften our hearts, uh, we'll, go, uh, we'll go back to our, our passage because disobedience, faithfulness, rebellion, all these are heart problems that God wants to uh, again, soften our hearts and move in our lives. So in the passage, uh, the beginning of our passage, again, picking up from la the, for, the, for the passage from last time, it, it asks a question that you might add. It says, who were these hard-hearted, strained people who got stuck in unbelief uh, that, that we learned about uh, back on December 4th? Well, verses 16 through 19 of today's passage ask those same questions and tells us that the people that, that Moses led out of Egypt and, and in all of this, back, back in the, the passage from last time, and then some in this, Psalm 95 is quoted a lot, which is a psalm that tells of the problems that, uh, that, that the hearts uh, of the Israelites dove into in turning from the living God. Uh, and, and, and Psalm 95 is quoted throughout uh, Hebrews 3 and 4. So think about these people that have run from God uh, the Israelites, and all that they had experienced. These hard-hearted people are ones who had experienced extraordinary work of God, yet they still turned away. These are people who, uh, who saw him pull them out of Egypt, set them free from slavery. And even before that, the Passover, they saw their own sons uh, rescued through the, the, the Passover. As God was saying, 
to clear out my people, uh, I, I'm willing to let the death angel uh, move through the, the Egyptians because the Pharaoh keeps uh, you know, saying that, they, that my people cannot go. And so as the youngest of, I mean, as the oldest sons uh, of the Egyptians uh, died through the, through the miracle of the Passover and the, and the foreshadowing of what God was going to do through Jesus, the, these young men, these young babies were, were saved. And then 1.5 million people traveling together and God leading them by pillars of cloud and fire. And as they left, Scripture tells, tells us they plundered the Egyptians, right? It wasn't that they just went in and, and uh, broke into houses and took stuff. God softened the hearts of the Egyptian people. And uh, Exodus tells us that, that the Egyptians let the Israelites have whatever they asked for. These people that had enslaved them, all of a sudden, God prepared the way for them by saying, you just ask them, and they will give you uh, things for your journey. And then I'll provide beyond that. Yeah, I'm providing that, and I'll provide beyond that. These people went out. They were trapped against the sea as they went out. But again, God divided the waters. God was at work in and around them in mighty ways. And even when they rebelled, and because that wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, God provided them in supernatural ways for their food, for water, all the things they needed, even when they were in rebellion. These were people who encountered you know, things that people would beg to see, the, the, the level of miracles that they were able to, to see, uh, but still they turned with, harsh, uh, with, with a harshness and a rebellion toward God. But what about all of us? God is at work around us. We might not see the water pull up into two walls and be able to cross, but his miraculous work is uh, around us all the time. Don't we all, though, at one, another, at one point or another, recognize his goodness and what he's done for us, but still have spiritual heart problems? Now, you might say, no, not me, preacher. Uh, I'm not one of these people that would have the spiritual heart problems because actually look where I'm sitting today. I'm sitting in church, so I must be a person who has a soft heart. But all you've told me, if you say that to me, all you've told me is not the condition of your heart. You've just told me where your hind end is placed right now, right? Uh, sitting in a church isn't going to mean you have necessarily have a soft heart. Now, hopefully, you know, being among believers and being regularly in the Word is going to be a part of God's uh, softening of your heart. But sitting in a church softens your heart about as much as being in an oven makes you a biscuit, right? You, you, if you put your head in an oven, that doesn't make you a biscuit, right? So we can't, we can't just say, oh, I don't need to think about this problem in the heart. Because, again, it's an age-old problem. And these people, again, that saw God do miraculous things still turned toward faithlessness. God is at work around us as well. But like the Israelites, we have a short memory. We have what I like to call spiritual amnesia. We, we see God rescue us. We go through something and say, God, will you just get me through this? whether illness or whether a difficulty with another person or whether financial troubles or whatever, like, God, will you please get me through this? And he, he moves and he, he works and we're like, thank you, God, that was, that was beautiful. But then we turn right around and forget, oh, I'm being attacked by a bug, there we go. Uh, we forget right away uh, what God has done. I, I personally have watched God provide again and again, but I tell you, one, one area I really have to guard my heart in is finances, that I worry about finances uh, even though I've watched God provide again and again. We battle this amnesia. We battle hard-heartedness by remembering and reflecting. We look to him and look, look to who he is. Again, like we sang, we know him by a thousand names, meditating and thinking on who he is, who he's proven himself to be. That's where we grow our faith. 
That's where we shed off our selfishness. That's where we learn to trust him instead of our own inclinations. David is one friend who taught us this. Remember, before he went to fight Goliath, he stopped, he stopped and he reflected. He's like, you know what? That's a, that's a, that's a really tall guy, <laughs> and everybody else is afraid of him. But God, when I had to face a bear, God was there. God helped me overcome the bear. And, and that time I had to face a lion as a shepherd. God helped me, and, and I defeated the bear. He, 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 it's great. We get to see inside the mind of David as he reflects on these things. And he's like, this, this uncircumcised Philistine's nothing because God, who is faithful then, is faithful now. He'll be faithful in the future. That's, that, that's at the heart of who he is. His name is Faithful. So David shows us the power of what the Israelites failed to do, what they neglected to do, reflecting on his goodness and not letting spiritual amnesia take hold that hardens our hearts. David gives us a powerful reminder to remember and reflect on the works of God in your life. Now, one of the most famous therefore uh, uh, words in Scripture is the start of Hebrews 12, which on down the line you'll be looking at. It says, therefore, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great, great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So it's saying, therefore, because of everything I've just said, you can trust Jesus. Because of everything I've just said, uh, you can throw off what hinders. Because everything I've just said, you can let go of the things that entangle you in sin. Because of what I've just said, you can run with perseverance, Mark Forrest. Now, what had just been said before that is Hebrews 11 is the kind of hall of fame of faith. All these people of great faith and, and that they held on to Jesus and that they turned to Jesus and they, they turned to, to, to their loving Heavenly Father and watched God work even through really, really difficult situations. And so Hebrews 11 Amazing examples of faith. Hebrews 12 begins, Therefore, because of the examples before you, this is what you do. And, and speaks of this, this beautiful, soft-hearted, spiritual life of walking with Jesus. Now, it, sadly, Hebrews 4.1 has a therefore, but it's kind of a reverse example. It's, it's an opposite therefore. Uh, Hebrews 1, uh, again, starts with a therefore and then gives the warnings against faithlessness. And the therefore it's doing is saying, what the Israelites did, let that be a warning to you. Therefore, choose differently. And then later in Hebrews say, therefore, look at these examples. Choose Jesus. Choose following him with the intensity that these folks followed him. So in that, we know to reflect on God and his mighty works. And, uh, and as we remember who he is, he's able to soften and change our hearts. Because God is greater than the condition of our hearts. So we're, uh, I've got three more words that we'll, we'll, we'll kind of walk through quickly. But the first, first is his works, right? And, and that is when we, when we hit these parts of, uh, uh, again, what it looks like to lean into Jesus and let him soften our heart, the first is remembering his works, remembering what he's done. So the second word, though, is rest, okay? Again, we see what the Israelites missed in verses 3 through 5 of chapter 4. I'll read verses 3 through 5 again. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God said, so I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, on the seventh day God rested from all his works. And again in the passage above he says, they shall never enter my rest. What the Israelites lost in their dead faith and in their hard hearts 
was more than a place of the promised land, more than a promise of a, of a place. They, them missing the promised land meant missing the rest uh, that only God could give. God wanted to give them rest in the journey. God wanted to give them rest moment by moment, day by day, to enter into his rest and walking with him. They were missing his presence. They were missing intimacy with God. Reminds me of one of Jordan's favorite passages uh, as a student, and, I, and I've heard him talk about it since then. As a student, he really loved John 15, right? The vine and the branches, and the way that as the, as the shoots come off the vine, uh, we are that connected to Jesus. We, we are in him in that way. Jesus says in John 15, he says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. The Israelites failed to realize they were helpless without him. We need to reflect on that, you know, and, and, and lock on it. Apart from him, we can do nothing. You know, a lot of days I'm like, well, apart from him, I can do a few good things. I, I do get more done with God, but, you know, but, but it's really clear. We are to abide in him so closely that anything we do apart from Christ is valueless. It is, it is nothing. The only thing, anything we do of value is connected and into the heart of and the work of God in our lives. We were made to rest in him, abide in him, right? And that's that, the way that rest is talking about here is very similar to the abide in, live in that, uh, that, that John uses in John, uh, that Jesus uses in John 15, right? When we rest in him, when we trust him, when we enjoy his presence, he can soften our hearts. Again, Jesus is greater than the condition of our hearts, whether it's reflecting on who he is and what he's done and, and, and his faithfulness to pull us into faithfulness. We also Realize his rest and regularly abiding in him is a, is a big part of how he affects the condition of our hearts. The third critical warning comes in chapter 4, verse 7. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Now, side note, if, you're, if one of your um, New Year's resolution was to put more scripture in your hearts, maybe more memorize some verses along the way, if you get down today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, you've just memorized four verses, okay? Because this is, this is part of that Psalm, uh, Psalm 95, and then the, this writer in Hebrews in chapter 3 and 4 uses it three times. So if you just memorize that, you get credit for four verses. How about that? That's a pretty good, pretty good deal. But more important than that, that's just a silly side note. But I, I, I'd say that, that with this and where we need to listen here uh, is not just in the hearing his voice, not just in the turning from heart to hearts, but the today verse. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a daily, regular part of this abiding. There's a daily, regular part of the listening. And, and that, that, that just kind of joking about, hey, you get, you get credit for four verses. When God says something, we should listen. When God says it multiple times, we really, really, really should listen, right? Um, uh, Mary and Martha, when... when uh, when, when Martha was complaining about Mary sitting at Jesus' feet instead of helping her with the preparations, uh, when, when Jesus corrected her, he says, Martha, Martha. Yeah, be careful when God says your name twice. <laughs> when he starts repeating, then you know he's trying to get your attention. And so for us, we all, you know, like the Israelites would have, would have needed to do if they could, you know, lock into that, say, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. So that, that's, a, that's a big part of it. Um, I think, I think with that, uh, one, one silly example that comes to mind, uh, and stay with me on this because it's a goofy example. My children have always loved quoting this exchange from the movie Tangled uh, when Rapunzel reminds Gothel that it's her birthday. 
And Gothel says, no, 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 can't be. I distinctly remember your birthday was last year. And Rapunzel says, that's the funny thing about birthdays. They're kind of an annual thing, right? Similarly, that's the funny thing about today is that there's always a, another one tomorrow, okay? And if you're not careful, you can let this beautiful verse of, of the call about today lull you into sleep instead of letting it be a warning, you know? Because if you've ever heard the verse, you know, today, you know, don't harden your hearts, today listen to his voice. If you hear that a while back and day and after day after day passes and you're not softening your heart toward God, you may begin to do the worst procrastination you can do, and that's procrastination of the state of your heart. And just go, okay, good. I'll take care of the next today. I, I really enjoy just living on my own, and I, I don't want to give control of my life to anybody. But again, missing the abiding in him, missing the daily uh, you know, part of his presence, we don't realize all that we're saying no to there, and we never know when that last today will be. And so today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Wasn't that warning here yesterday? It was, but we may have ignored it then. Don't know how many todays are left. There's a sobering thought that this could be the last today for any of us, but the warning is not only about eternity, it's also about not wasting today. Yes, I want to be in heaven one day, so I need to pay attention to this message and, 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 and realize that the condition of my heart needs to rely on Jesus and his uh, reconciliation with me and his plan for me. But today is the day he can soften my heart. Today is the day I can abide with him. Today is the day I can be aware of his work around me. Today is the day I can enter uh, the, the, the earthly part of his rest of abiding. Today is a day to lean into, to receive his love, to love him back, and to love other people in the way that he loves people because he is a God who specializes in softening hearts. Don't settle for anything short of abiding in him, resting in him. He is the one who can change our hearts because Jesus is greater than the condition of our hearts. So uh, let's read, again, the last two verses as, uh, as we uh, get into our last minutes together here. Again, Hebrews 4, uh, 12 uh, and, and 13 says, oh, let me, let me, I actually clipped off a verse here. Let me go back and find the first place of that so I get this right. Here we go. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. There's that word again, heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is, covered, is uncovered and laid before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Have you ever experienced this? Have you ever experienced uh, anything saying that, that, that God is able to div divide and, 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 and cut into? A sword is not a pleasant thing to deal with. Neither is a surgeon's scalpel when you just think about it. But a necessary thing is happening. And in the same way that a skillful surgeon's scalpel can correct things for us, God does correction for us with the two-edged sword of his word, dividing out even soul and spirit to get into the heart and core of what we think, who we are, what we believe. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That's what his word does. There's a great power when, whether corporately, like we do today, 
or individually when we sit down with God's word, the surgery that God can do on our hearts. You ever had a corrective surgery from a loving father where a scripture verse has spoken into you and convicted you to change something in your life or reminded you of powerful truth about him that you've been abandoning, that you've just sat there in disbelief or sat there in fear, but he corrects your heart with something that reminds you of who he is. That beautiful two-edged sword can be a painful surgery part in our lives, but the healing that comes after that is unbelievable. The reality of what comes after that uh, is powerful. And I could tell you story after story of times when I in my own self-sufficiency and my own not abiding in him had God get my attention with that surgery of a two-edged sword. Uh, one of those moments uh, of God telling me about my, my need to uh, show that, that I'm right, right? My need to be right. And none of you were like that, right? No one ever had to prove to everybody that you're right on anything. Uh, but marriage will, will do that, uh, right? I, I think uh, Ephesians 5 talks about the mystery of marriage and talks about the mystery of the gospel. And uh, marriage can be a great learning place of how the gospel affects our heart and, and show us how stubborn our hearts are and how much we, again, we, we rest in our own rightness or prove uh, our own rightness. One of those moments, uh, my wife and I, uh, many years ago, I went to Virginia Tech and after we graduated here, uh, my wife and I both went to seminary uh, down in Texas. And she was beginning a degree in counseling there and I was getting a degree, a uh, uh, Master Divinity that pastors get. And... Um, and so we headed out there to do that. We got married while we were in seminary, uh, and, uh, and she's been with me 33 uh, years now. Uh, and, and in that, she's taught me a lot. But to, the trip down there was an interesting, this is before we were married, but again, a very interesting time. We drove down in a Toyota pickup truck, and this is before the days of Toyota Tundras and bigger ones. This, the original Toyota pickup trucks were, were kind of tiny, all right? And so we drove down with my, my future mother-in-law, all right? So it's three of us in the front of this tiny pickup truck uh, driving from Virginia to Texas. And back then, all the speed limits were 55, so it was a long trip, right? And, and there's a gear shift in the middle. So whoever's sitting in the middle, they've got to they've move. You know, so it's, we're, we're in there tight. Uh, we, we visited some, some family friends of her family in, in, uh, in Georgia uh, and took the long way across the south. And, uh, and, and as we were leaving their house one morning just to head the rest of the way across uh, the, the south, they're heading over to Texas, we, we passed through this one sec section of interstate. And a little bit later, we were thinking, well, we didn't get breakfast. And, 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 uh, and Laura said, well, back there, there was that omelet shop. I wish we'd thought, I'm like, no, 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 no. It didn't say omelet shop. It said Waffle House is what I said. And she said, it was a big block letters of the, of the, the ones together. And, and, and it, this is what it said. And I'm like, no, I saw the big block letters. And, it said, and so we went back and forth the next several miles. Uh, uh, about omelet shop and Waffle House, and poor, poor Laura's mom is in the middle here with, with, the, with the gear shift going, will you guys just quit arguing? And you're both so right, stop it. You know? and, and so that's what we did across the, the south. Years later, we went back to that area visiting some other friends, and we drove through there, and, uh, and, and here is the Waffle, the Waffle House, and about a half mile later is the omelet shop. We were both right, but in our desire to show the other that we were right, we were so incredibly wrong. And hard-heartedly sat there going, how could... How could he be so stubborn? How could she be so stubborn? And we do it all the time in little ways we justify our own need to be right and our own places where we don't soften our heart, even if we are right and we're convinced of what we saw. Can we soften our heart? Can we humble ourselves to treat other people well? 
That's a part of what the gospel does for us. That's a part of what God's reconciliation does for us and reminds us how his, his word brings that back into our hearts and, and, and does that surgery that's needed. Let his word do the surgery that your heart needs. Let his word humble you and, and show you what he wants to do through you where you don't have to prop up who you want people to think you are. Let him do the work. The word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And there's one more way that he reminds us that Jesus is greater than the condition of our hearts. Lastly, let's, we'll walk through those points again just for a time of, of reflecting and responding, right? In these four areas that, we're about to, that we've covered and we're about to review real quick, which of these areas do you most need to embrace, to walk in the reality that Jesus is greater than the condition of our hearts, that Jesus is greater than the condition of your heart? Is it, is it in the area of his works? Do I allow room in my life, do you allow, allow room in your life to reflect on God's work in and around you, right? Is, is there time in your life to, to stop and count the blessings? Is there time in your life to say, God's been pointing me this way, but I, I've, it's a hard adjustment, but I've not made that adjustment yet. What does he want me to obey that I'm not quite obeying yet? Am I, am I counting his works and letting them speak to me that he is trustworthy and that he is reliable, that he is faithful and he cares for me and he, he's a loving, good father? Look back, remember, and know that he's always at work even when we don't see it. And then that second word, rest. Do I abide and rest in him? Am I ready to trust and obey him in any area of life? In, in the simpleness of just starting each day with, with him. My, uh, my, my pastor often says that, he said at nighttime we go to bed, in the morning we default to stupid. <laughs> we, we come back and we forget all the goodness of God in our, in our fogginess at the start of the day, and we think all the things that we have to accomplish and we have to do, and we need to slow down and say, wait, I need to return to the faithfulness of God and, and, and let my evening sleep be not only a, a rest that gets me ready for the, rest of the next day, but that I start the day ready to rest in and abide in him. Seeing what's really real and resting and not fretting. The third, today. Do I daily battle unbelief and pride by asking God to soften my heart? Do I daily battle unbelief and pride by asking God to soften my heart? Every day is a gift. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Right? He, 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 uh, the writer of Hebrews says that to the body of Christ there three times. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Don't miss the opportunities of what he wants to do just out of trying to prove yourself right. See what he's doing around you and celebrate that today. Rest in him today. Abide in him today and every day. And lastly, the word. Do I welcome God using his word to correct the direction of my heart, to do the surgery that only he can do? Do I approach the word of God, whether my pastor Jordan is sharing it or whether it's just me sitting there reading it? Do I approach the word of God with openness, with expectancy, that the Holy Spirit is meeting me there to speak to my heart and to move my feet and hands in obedience to him? Do I trust his gentle surgery? May God lead all of us to, to take that great Old Testament prophecy 
that, that, Christ, reve- that Christ revealed the reality of when he came, that, that he's a God that gets rid of the heart of stone and, and, and plants a heart of flesh in us. May we live with that expectancy and that kind of abiding. Let's pray. Father, you are so good to us. Again, we can count all the thousands of names that you have, all the ways that you reveal yourself to be good and beautiful and faithful and reliable. Even when things are hard, especially when things are hard, God, we see your faithfulness. God, will you give us the wisdom to not let the hard things leave us where we think we're only dependent on ourselves, to not let the hard things all of a sudden let hardness of heart be the problem much bigger than any hard and difficult things. God, I thank you that you love us enough to allow us to rest in you, to abide in you, to let you be the one who leads our steps and softens our heart. We pray all this in your precious name. Amen.